previously on the Leaky Bucket podcast. It, it, it had to be an easy decision because health and well-being, mental health is incredibly important to us. And watching my husband struggle was not an option anymore. So yes, there was going to be a financial hit, but getting my husband back, you know, Phoebe getting her dad back, him being able to take time out to spend with the family is worth so much more than any pounds or pennies could ever be. Hi there, and welcome to the Leaky Bucket podcast. I'm your host, Ian Morgan, and this is the Financial Performance Podcast for entrepreneurs looking to get a better understanding of their numbers, to plug the leaks in their business, and to move from surviving to thriving. Hi there, and welcome to the Leaky Bucket Podcast. This is the Financial Performance Podcast for entrepreneurs looking to get a better understanding of their numbers, plug the leaks in their business, and then move from surviving to thriving. I'm your host, Ian Morgan, and we're powered by MBS Accountants. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Leaky Bucket Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about the numbers behind your marketing. Now, if you're anything like I was in my early days of doing marketing, you basically try and appeal to everyone about everything and you've got no real sense of direction, no clear message really, apart from please buy my shit for this much money. And sadly, the chances are it probably actually worked to a degree. However, it's likely really that what you're probably doing if you're following that method is you're just spreading your message far and wide and just hoping that a few people sign up. You're just sticking your net in the water and hoping that you'll catch a few fish. And you probably will. Little time, however, has probably been taken to evaluate what did and didn't work, what the true cost was, and if you actually won any work from it, and if the work was any good either. I did this for just far too long. We spent loads of money on marketing and we gained plenty of clients. But really, were those clients the right type of clients? Who knew? We didn't actually care. We were growing. We were taking on more clients. And then I read a book by a couple of people. It's Richard Fenton and Andrea Waltz, and it's called Go For No. This changed my view on marketing and sales. I'll go into it in a bit more detail in a minute, but I also then quite soon after that came across this guy called Robin Waite and he was banging on about some numbers from Google, 70-10-2. And suddenly this was all starting to make sense to me. So here's going to be what I did in five simple steps. So first things first, step one was I identified what or who I'm after. This was simpler than expected, really. If you want to stand out, then you have to know who you're trying to stand out to. If you're just trying to be the loudest noise in the room, then actually you just disappear as somebody else becomes noisier and then somebody else becomes noisier. And at the end of the day, it's just this loud noise going on of everybody trying to get everybody else's attention and nobody's really hearing anything. But if you recognize who you're really trying to work with, then it's far easier to get noticed. So how did we do it? Well, we've got existing clients, guys. 
So all we did was we just went through the existing clients we've got and we ranked them on how good we felt they were to do business with. And there were loads of different things that we considered. But as a team, we got down and just went, look, are they nice people? Do they pay us well? Do they follow our advice and guidance? Do they take all our services of value? Is their business doing well? Loads of these different things, right? And they're all individual to us and what we valued. And there's going to be things that you guys value. But ultimately, we ranked them and we wanted more of those we liked and less of the ones we didn't. Simple. Step two, reverse engineer the numbers. That 70-10-2 that Robin Waite was going on about comes from a Google white paper called The Zero Moment of Truth. Now, in summary, the zero moment of truth, it's sort of invented in the internet age. It used to be the case, for those of you who are pre-internet, that we'd see an advert on TV and let's say it's for a new laptop. And what we do is we'd go on down to PC World, Curry's Comet, whatever it was about those days. And we would basically go there and go, I've seen an advert for a new computer. I need a new computer. Can you tell me what the best one is to buy? And they would ask a few questions and they'd work it all out. And that first moment of truth was the moment you spoke to the salesperson in the store and they asked you those questions about what you were looking for and they could advise you on what was best. Then along came to the internet and we grow into the information age. Google invented what they called the zero moment of truth. So the zero moment of truth happens before the first moment of truth. And that's now what happens is the advert comes on TV, you see the element of the laptop, and what you do is you just go straight onto Google and you Google best laptops for and you try and find them to fit your requirements that's the zero moment of truth now in that white paper what google found was that for service-based businesses on average it takes 70 website visits to get 10 inquiries to gain two clients 70 10 2. now we simply used the data that we had from our own history to work out our 70 10 2. and at the time it was 140, eight, five. So for 140 inquiries on our website, we'd get eight inquiries and then we'd get five clients signing up. So we were losing out on quite a large number of clients on our website, but we were signing up nearly all of the inquiries. So we work with these numbers and we've basically calculated based on the average fee that a client would pay us, we calculated we needed seven new clients per month to hit the growth targets that we wanted. So we can reverse engineer that using our numbers and go, right, if we want seven new clients, we need 11 new inquiries. And in which case that's going to take 193 website visitors. Now we knew we could possibly improve on this with all the improvements we're going to make from go for no, but this is the best data that we've currently got. So now we've got an idea of roughly what we're after and we can see how the numbers can improve. Step three is about reaching the market. So now that we know that we want 193 visitors to our website every month, and really most of our marketing is done via Google ads back at that time, we knew from this that we can work out what our ad spend is going to be to get that number of visitors, right? So quite simple. Now all we've got to do is start running ads. So we can tweak our ads slightly towards the targets we want, but we can also look at our history of our ads that we've been running and go, which ones work? Which ones are going to be the most cost effective to get us that 193 visitors? Which are the ones that maybe we need to up some spend in? Which are the ones that we can tweak some spend because we're going to get more specific on who we do and we don't want visiting our website? Step four, improve the return. Now we've got some baseline from which to start changing things up. So based on the principles from go for no, 
we got more specific of not only who we did want to work with, but who we didn't. So the way go for no works is rather than chasing sort of the yeses all the time, which is what most business owners end up doing, actually you reverse that and you start to go for no instead. What you're trying to do is going, this is specifically who we want to work with. How do we put these barriers up so that the people who don't want to work with us say no? And actually, we can also say no when we feel it's not right as well. That was good for us. We felt we had an ethical obligation to making sure that we added value to clients. And at that time, we probably weren't living that as much as what we thought we could have done. This was a great tool to remind us of that, bring us to where we want to be, really. Bring us to being focused on exactly like, who do we really want to work with? And how do we make sure that we're being true to ourselves? We started to ensure that all of our ads, our website copy, the way we spoke, our blog posts, our, our sales meetings, our, our general meetings with clients, all of that was centered around not only who we did want, but also who we didn't. Hey there, really sorry for interrupting, but I really wanted to let you know about some amazing bonus content we have available for you. You see, not only do we record behind the scenes, but also we go deeper into some of the key topics that come up during the conversation. Now you can find out more about this and access all of it free of charge over on Facebook. Just search for the Leaky Bucket podcast community. We started having an opinion. We started having a voice. We started not sitting on the fence so much, started to just be specific and go, actually, if you're like this and you're experiencing this problem, yeah, we are too. We've been there. We've done that. This is what this is about. This is what it's for. And through that is how we started to filter towards service-based businesses. Being a service-based business ourselves, we know the trials and the tribulations that service-based business owners face. We can relate to a degree some of the service stuff across product-based businesses, but we don't know it like service-based businesses. Now, that's not to say that we would completely limit and rule out working with a product-based business, but it's less likely They've got to meet so many other of our criteria in order to get through. And that's no disrespect to people in product businesses. It's just that, are we best placed to help? Maybe, but maybe not. So if we could stop attracting those wrong fit clients to our website, then we don't have to pay for the click for them to arrive on the website. So actually it makes sense that if we get really specific of who we want to work with, then we need to actually tell people early on in the process. Make it clear in our marketing, make it clear in our ads, make it clear in our website copy. But really, if it's in the website copy, it's possibly one stage too late because you've possibly already paid for them to get there. What we managed to do over a period of time is that we managed to improve those numbers. We managed to get really specific on who we did want. We got those numbers to around about 78.3. So the eight was kept. So the number of inquiries there, we halved the number of visitors to our website but we kept the number of inquiries and our conversions dropped from five to three. Our conversions dropped from five to three because during the same thing in the background, we actually doubled our pricing because we felt that we had something more to offer. We were doing it too cheap and we couldn't therefore continue to deliver on the same prospect. So the average order value for our clients of that went up by around about 75%. Then step five is to get specific. The next step, right, was to get specific on which services that we were offering were really clear on the value that they delivered. 
what I mean is there's no point in us selling from our perspective for us individually, right? And this might be different for other accountancy practices and it might be different for you and your business and the different things that you do. But for us, what we realized was there was no point in us selling a one-off once a year tax return for £250 because whilst it might only take an hour, maybe two, we didn't get a chance to build a relationship. And there's not the money built into that in order for us to build a relationship. There's enough time really to prepare the tax return get everything sorted. The client probably just wants to know how much tax they owe. There's not really time for loads of chit chat, getting to know them, finding out what makes them tick and so on. And there's little that we can do if we knew all that information anyway. So for us, that would take thousands and thousands of clients in that way, but that wasn't what we were good at. What we were really good at is high contact services where we managed to develop a close working relationship with the client because then what we found is we could become the trusted advisor those clients would like to be able to lean on us. We have the budget in order to invest into that client to be able to get to know them and what makes them tick and what they're trying to achieve. And the overall, the longevity of that client relationship was far longer and the fees were far higher. Even if the back end, the costs were somewhat higher, the margins that we can make were a little bit squeezed. But overall, managing, in our case, we went from 600, 550-ish well, clients to 150. But managing those 150 clients is far easier task. And we know all of the clients of which we work with. Our client managers speak to most clients most weeks. They really know what's going on in their business. So what are the key takeaways here, right? I've told you about the five steps and they are, just to recap you, one, identify what or who I'm after. Two, reverse engineer those numbers. Three, go out and reach the market. Four is then to focus on improving the returns that you get. And then five is to get specific on what you really, really do want. So the key takeaways, right, are that marketing shouldn't be a shot in the dark. It's not guesswork. It's not just lucky dip. There is a science to it. You've just got to work what that science is. You definitely should not be trying to attract everyone as you're going to be heard by nobody. It is not he who shouts loudest gets heard. You need to know who you're talking to and then be very clear on your message. You need to really get specific on who you do and who you don't want to work with. Because actually, if it's only on who you do, it might not be strong enough to say who you don't want to work with. Now, from our perspective, sometimes, you know, they're, they're not hard rules, but we're not good maybe for businesses, certainly below 100,000 turnover, ideally 250,000. Those smaller businesses... We can help if they're on a really good growth pattern and they've got a really invested business owner who's really pushing them and knows where he wants to go and is open to learning, then yeah, there's exceptions. But we do list on our website that we work with business owners of £250,000 up in terms of revenues. And the reason we do that is because the majority of those businesses below that level wouldn't cope with the way that we operate. You know, it's an intense environment. We make sure people know their numbers there needs to be a good focus on that. And actually, we found that businesses need to have reached a certain level to find things going a little bit wrong in order to be able to push to that next level. And then you really got to know those numbers. You know, I've already said it. Numbers is key. We're going to say that, but you need to know them. You need to know what marketing areas are working, what products and services people are buying, what messages are working to get people to buy those services and then keep doing more of what does work and do less of what doesn't. And then watch those numbers change and improve as the message towards your clients 
also improves about who you do and don't want to work with. So ultimately in business, marketing is one of the biggest costs, probably after staff. And then if you're a product based business, your product, and if you don't get it right, then it's easy just to go, let's just throw some more money at it. We're not working well. Let's just throw more at it. Let's, it must be, we've not, we haven't got a big enough budget. However, working out what you really want in a client and it might, it might actually cost to get the right number of those clients puts you in control. And in my view, I take being in control over winging it any day. Thanks for listening, guys. I really hope that there's been a good message around marketing, how that could help you in your business, the journey that you're on, and how really knowing the numbers behind your marketing just means that you can gain some control. Thanks so much for listening. Speak soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Leaky Bucket Podcast. I'd love it if you could spread the message by clicking subscribe and leaving a review. And if you want to find out more, you can also fill out our online financial health check scorecard to see where all the holes might be hiding in your bucket. Just head over to mbsaccountants.scoreapp.com and you can also find the link in the show notes below. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Leaky Bucket Podcast. I'd love it if you could help spread the message by clicking subscribe and leaving a review. Also, please do reach out to me on LinkedIn and let me know your thoughts on this episode. You can also find more info and links in the show notes below. See you next time. Coming next week on the Leaky Bucket Podcast. I'm going to start by making a bold statement, but it's one that I fully believe. If you cannot make a plan work on paper, what chance have you got of it working in reality? Yet how many of us actually have a well thought out documented business plan? Now, in my view, a business plan isn't a massive 50 or 100 page document with different scenarios mapped out and history of the business and all of that side of stuff. Because I feel that such a document like that just gets written once, often a highly painful process, and then you just lock it away, maybe in a drawer, and it just never sees the light of day again.